are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is the Lunch Break Podcast. My name is James Bodden, and you are tuned into episode 15 of the Lunch Break Podcast. And I am truly honored and humbled and appreciative of my guest coming on the show today, Keith Cordero. Just excited to have Keith here for a number of reasons. Keith is an account executive at Crosstex. He is the founder at the Philosophy of Sales blog and podcast. Now, Keith is somebody we connected on LinkedIn maybe under a year ago, and we just kind of hit it off right away. Keith and I have many things in common, a background in, in hip-hop being wannabe rap artists and beat makers and acting, and, and he's been gracious enough to have me on his podcast, which I absolutely love. And so for all those reasons, I'm, I'm really excited to have Keith here. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks. I, I, I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, it's actually long overdue, seeing as this is episode 15 of, of the Lunch Break podcast. So well, I, wanted to, I wanted to make sure you got all the wrinkles out first, you know, before I jumped on. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> let's just make sure this is a smooth sailing ship before we bring <laughs> Keith on board. I, right. right there with you. Right. Uh, so so let, let's just dive into the podcast the way that I always do. Tell us how you got started in sales and how that journey has kind of brought you to where you are today. Sure. So, um, you know, I definitely, um, I'd say probably the easiest way to, to track my pathway into sales is um, I started, you know, in my early 20s, I was, as you mentioned, a wannabe musician. I was a musician. I was a touring musician, and I kind of worked in kitchens and things of that nature. Um, to just kind of earn a little bit of money yep. when I could um, in between, you know, being on the road and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, so I think my sales kind of started in a nonchalant way, really, uh, as being a musician, right? Because I'm having to sell my idea, right? Um, sell my music, not only just like in a transactional physical way, but, you know, you've got to sell that the emotion of, 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 of performing to an audience, right? Completely. So I can start honing um, those skills at that level, but, but a life of sales, uh, you know, and then like for a business was just like the absolute last, if someone says, you know, what's the last thing you would ever want to be? I would probably have said a salesperson, right? <laughs> my mother was in sales. She sold bonds and like stocks and stuff. My grandfather sold anything and everything that he could. And, um, so I, I grew up around that. And maybe because of that and like pushing it away, I didn't really, you know, my, my mother was always like, you should really go down the sales route, right? You're, you're good at connecting with people. And I think that you'd be really great at it. But I think, um, like a lot of us, we had this misconception of what a, a sales professional really is. Yes. It was just kind of like this slime ball, used car salesman that was just kind of like trying to trick you into into purchasing something, and then they were, you know, they ghosted you. They're gone. The traveling, and, um, gone by night sales guy. Yeah. Yeah. So 
so I really what kind of opened my eyes to what a sales professional means to me, which is someone that's filled with integrity, somebody that truly is compassionate about others' needs, right? And 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 wanting to wanting to help folks, right? You hear that a lot nowadays, but um, you know, and I, I think some people truly believe that and then i think it's just a buzzword for other people but i mean if if you truly feel that then you know like when you when you help somebody when you put out a fire when you sell a product when you sell a service when you truly have this collaborative um partnership with somebody uh that feeling that you get from it is um it's an awesome feeling and so for me i uh i was a technician for a medical equipment company for about five or six years. The CEO of that small company was a startup. His name was Scott Lloyd. He, um, he just embodied that compassionate, empathetic salesperson. It didn't matter if you were sweeping the floors or if you were the multi-million dollar sales rep. He treated you the same way. He you know, knew your family's name. He, he, he truly cared about his employees and about his customers and about his clients. And that really kind of like opened my eyes to, wow, this is somebody that, you know, he was a mentor to me. This is somebody I, I, you know, I, I, I'd like to follow down that same career path because I, you know, I, I truly respected uh, his integrity. And so that kind of like started, I worked my way um, from a technician. I, I probably, interviewed for a sales job about 10 times over the years and each time I was told no. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, but I just kept grinding and grinding and, um, and finally, uh, and finally I, I, I was actually given the option on the same day that I could either take a manager role in the warehouse, basically being a manager over all the other technicians which at that point would have paid me about $30,000 more than the on-target goal of the other job opportunity, which they presented to me, which, which was a sales rep. It was a sales rep in the worst territory. Mm. There, there was zero potential, I was told. The, 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 the clients and prospects and customers in that territory did not like us, did not like our service, did not like our products. There was zero chance. Like the, he really wanted me to be a manager, you know, and there yeah, was right? like, that I was going to be successful. And uh, I said, I'm going to take the sales role. So I did. And, and actually, and, and within a year, that sales tori- territory um, had like 150% growth and mm-hmm. became the largest territory in regards to revenue in the entire company so pretty that proud is- of that pretty wild yeah god what a what a what a great story that is just yeah. just that that piece of well and i guess my first question is what made you take the sales job i mean anybody I think if I was in your position at that point you had tried to get a sales job for a while you hadn't gotten one was that it? Was it that you had been, you know, kind of searching for an opportunity and you saw like, this is my chance or what was the motivation? That might've been like on a maybe deep subconscious level of back against the wall. Everybody's telling me I can't, so I'm going to, right. I'm going to take this challenge head on. That, that might've been a big part of it. I think another part of it was just looking at the long term, right. 
I was looking at five, 10, 15 years down the road. And I would ask myself, if I were to go down this route, I'm, I'm a huge supporter of making like pros and cons lists, right? Mm. I'm just like any kind of big decision, right? I just, here's the pros. I literally listed out pros, cons, and I write them down and I just weigh, weigh it out, right? Um, and for that particular decision, I said, you know, do I want to be a warehouse manager? Is that the career path? I was at a crossroads. Is that the career path that I want to go down? In five years and 10 years, is that something I'm going to be passionate about? Is there growth opportunities there for me? Um, and, and, and in the long run, it for me, choosing the sales rep route opened up more growth opportunities in my brain about what what the future held for me. And so I, I rolled the dice and I took a chance. And I, I mean, I'm happy I did. That was... 10 years ago. And I still, to this day, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm very mindful and, and thankful and like, wow, I, you know, that was such a huge decision in my life. And I'm glad that I went this road, you know? And, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, man. And, and I think a lot of people can relate to that, Keith, because there are points in your career where something that sounds like a no brainer situation like right. that, like $30,000 more managing the people, you know, managing the department that I've been a part of for a while, right. uh, stability, all of that. Yeah. Sounds like a pretty no easy, no brainer decision. But yeah. I think so many people come to these crossroads. And what I love is that you really took the time to think what am I going to want to, what, like, what is my life going to look like in five years as a warehouse manager? Uh, or what does it look like? What are the possibilities of it looking like if I go the sales route? And I'm glad you did too, man. I'm glad yeah, you, you, you took the sales route because it, that, that brings you here. And, and, you yeah. know, one of the things that you, you mentioned was that you were, you, you know, 10 years later, you're, you're still, aware, thankful, grateful, and kind of mindful of, of, of that decision that you made and, and the unfolding path, as you could call it, right? Mm, yeah. um, you know, I think your beginning comments about how most people perceive a salesperson, the slimy, Wolf of Wall Street, yeah hardcore closer, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross type of thing. That's how I saw the sales right. profession completely. And the way that you described how it, how you see it now, you know, somebody who's compassionate, <clears throat> who's empathetic, yeah. who is helpful, who's genuine. Those are character traits of somebody who sounds like a really great person just yeah. in general. And so I think if you, if I had heard that when I was 17 or 18, like being a salesperson, like if I knew somebody that was a, a successful salesperson that, that was that, that embodied that early enough, how quickly I would have wanted to get into sales because that aligned even back yeah. then, those things align with, with who you are as a person if, that, if that's who you are as a person. Right. And so it's just such a shame that for so long, the sales profession has been kind of viewed as, as something that it, that it truly isn't because 
you had that first interaction, you know, you, it took that person, that CEO, that leader to show you, Whoa, wait a minute. There's right. somebody else out here that, that embodies this. And it, and it was a very similar experience for me. It took me probably three, three years into my sales career before I had a leader that showed me, Whoa, okay. So this is how it could be done and should be done and can be done with right. compassion and caring and emotional support and knowing about your family and, and genuinely caring about what's going on in your life, not just if you close that last customer that walked through the door, you know? And it's also powerful, Keith, and, and that's why I'm glad that that you have started your blog and and your podcast because I love your lens on the philosophy of sales because it really does when I look at your content it, it focuses around those things like you, you you posted something today on LinkedIn you know like be be compassionate like we're all in this journey together like be good be good to each other yeah what a great message and how valuable of a message is that for salespeople everywhere to to understand that as real professionals, we are compassionate, we are empathetic, we do want to genuinely help our clients and, and customers. And, and uniting under those characteristics is so much more powerful. So talk, talk to us about how you kind of have come to this point of view and, and, and what made you want to start like talking about it and, and writing about it and, and sharing it. Because I think, you know, more people out there need to do this. And so mm -hmm. I know there's more Keith's out there. I know that there's more Morgan Ingram's and John Barrow's out there. And, and I want to help people find that, find that voice. And so just talk to us about how you've kind of come to this point where you're now sharing your thoughts. And, and I know we've spoken about this one-on-one -on -one and, and yeah. I, I just love the way you kind of look at it. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's such a huge question, right? Yeah. Um, deep. Super deep. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, when I was five years old, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so the shortest maybe path between philosophy of sales and, 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 chronologically the closest of maybe where it's attached is I, you know, I studied philosophy in, in college. I got a degree in philosophy. Love it. My goal was to, to write, right. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to maybe teach. I just, I, I, I was very interested in philosophy and metaphysics and Eastern religion as a teenager I think probably the book that unlocked everything for me was Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Mm. I read that book when I was probably 12 or 13. I randomly found it in my grandparents' house, and I still to this day don't know how they had it because <laughs> there's never been any flashes or glimpses of Zen. Like that. And when I've, I've, when I've, whenever I've, I've asked them over the years, they're like, I've never heard of that book in my life. But I still have, I, it's one of those books, whenever I see it, I have to pick it up. Like if I see a used version of it, I just have to pick it up because it's, it was so profound. And, and without getting into like a book review, it really just kind of showed the dynamic between at that time, the modern Western world, which I think it was probably written in the late seventies, early eighties. And 
Eastern religion, mindfulness, consciousness, and, and, and the duality between those two. And so that really unlocked my, my interest in Eastern uh, religion. And, and so I started reading everything that I could, like on Taoism, Buddhism, yeah. uh, Hinduism, and, and finally made my way into Tibetan Buddhism, like Mahayana Buddhism. And probably in my early to mid-20s, you know, I, I was going through a lot of stuff. My family has a history uh, of drug abuse and alcoholism. And as a late teen, early 20s, I was kind of getting caught up in, in going down pathways that, that maybe weren't um, beneficial to me and to others around me. Yep. So Buddhism really was a place of solace for me. It was, um, it was something that transformed the way that I perceived myself and perceived others and my connection to others and how treating others certain ways, regardless of, of, of who they are or what they believe was really um, just not beneficial. And I really started in my mid-20s getting heavy into meditation, really, is the biggest thing that just changed my entire life. And um, so I started going to, you know, Buddhist temples uh, on a weekly basis and doing, like, um, meditation retreats and, and, and just studying all the different types of, of meditation and really just a way to survive, right? I had also battled a lot with depression and anxiety and tried every medication that there was and um i was just struggling i was suffering like we all suffer in ways yes. and i was suffering and and one big thing that buddhism talks about is really the key component is that everybody and everything suffers and and the way to liberation or freedom is the cessation of suffering and in order to do that there you know you've got to be mindful you got to be compassionate you've got to not attach yourself to, to things and um, so that's really kind of where all of that formed for me. And then once I got into being, you know, my sales career, that was just who I was. So it was whether I was cooking in a kitchen or I was a sales professional or I was whatever you know, train conductor, whatever it was, yep. how I perceived the world was based in this, um, really in Buddhism and, and. And so once I got into the sales profession, I mean, that's just how I, I, I treated my clients. That's how I treated the people around me. And, um, and so creating the philosophy of sales was kind of a way for me to, it was kind of, I wasn't being artistic in the moment. I'd been artistic and creative my entire life, whether it be music or visual arts or something. And, you know, like two years ago, I was kind of in a, I was focusing so much on my career that I didn't have a lot of time for that creative outlet. And so I kind of wanted to create something that combined the two sides of me, combined the sales career, sales professional business side with the compassionate, creative, more metaphysical side. And that's kind of where the fly and, and how those two connect and how those two work together. And um, almost a way to justify, I guess, in the back of my brain. I had a whole life of going, I'm never going to be a salesperson. I'm never going to be a businessman. I'm never going to wear a tie. Like all these different things that I found myself going, oh, wow, I'm sitting in a boardroom with CEOs and I'm wearing a tie. How do I justify this to myself that I'm not a complete sellout, right? <laughs> that, so, 
that's really kind of the way you just kind of building these things together go you know what no i'm not a sellout this is how i truly believe this is what i truly feel and and the philosophy sales is a way for others to go yeah i i feel the same way or i connect to that as well so that's kind of how the whole thing birthed oh man yeah i love that and 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 i'm so glad that that you talked about your beginning interest as as a teenager about in in just kind of philosophy and then the eastern religion and and it's a journey that i've started just recently like i'd say in the last like two or three years of of really feeling like everybody feels where you know there's suffering in your life and things aren't going the way that you think they should and and being attached to all these outcomes and and incomes and the internet and social media and all you know it's just so much and so i think the the journey that you've been on and and carrying it into naturally who you are as a person now is so valuable to the community because the the sales stigmas that exist, the pushy, the slimy, not care, you know, self-centered, only caring about their commission check are, are all disproved through a lens of being mindful and, and loving kindness and, and compassion. And you don't have to be a Buddhist to, to act that way as a human. And what I love is that I think now what's happening is a a lot of people, including myself, are getting introduced to this way of thinking through meditation. Because meditation is now very mainstream. I go, I go to Food Lion and you know, it's on the cover of time and mindfulness. Which is awesome. That's, it's so amazing to see that because you know, for years, I was almost, I remember when I first, so I, I've gone through bouts of, of, of like maybe not drinking alcohol or, or, you know, and not that I think there's anything wrong with it, but just, it was part of my path going, okay, let me see, I'm, you know, what, what, what I would, what, what life is like if I don't have a beer when I go out with somebody or what's yeah. life if I don't eat meat for a few months and just all these kind of just experimenting with things and I remember when I first started somewhere years ago and I sat down with somebody and he was like so what do you do you know the, I was like, you know you know just kind of talking about our lives and things of that nature we got into meditation and I said yeah you know I don't really he was saying oh you want to come out and have a drink with us and I was like I'd love to come out with you I don't really drink and he was like oh you will working here and you just it just it, but but the idea of just kind of like whoa it's so yeah, that's so strange whoa. but nowadays you know like like we were talking about before harvard business review just put out an article from the dalai lama written <laughs> by the dalai lama about why sales le- why leaders should be more mindful and i'm like that's amazing i think that that is awesome because that that sh- if you can crack into the cutthroat corporate world of business with mindfulness even if someone's using meditation to further their career right? Even if it's compassion is the last thing on their mind. They're just like, I'm going to do whatever I can to unlock my this is, yeah, this, is one of those things. Yep. Fine. It's it, just to see that happening on such a wide scale is 
is awesome. Is awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're you're an OG. You've you've I been. That, but. I mean, for the majority of people, I'd say if anybody listening to this right now is currently meditating, they probably haven't been meditating for more than five years. I right. would say just because right. it it has it hasn't been a part of the mainstream. And I remember growing up as I kind of as most young teenagers do you start to explore different religions and different things and i just remember always seeing meditation as like there's no way i could sit still for that long i'm too crazy i'm too too, you know my brain is too active i'm too on all the time to do this and so uh you know when it comes to sales and meditation because this is something that i wanted this is why i wanted you to come on the show is because of your of your view on this and and how uh, you know, meditation has helped me in my life and in my sales career. Yeah. And I just think, obviously, HBR is on board, right? I mean, they're posting articles by the Dalai Lama. So right. it's it's something that regardless of, and, and I think this is one of the reasons why I love this mindfulness and, and meditation movement is because you don't have to follow a certain religion to do it. It, it, it is strictly a way for you to, at the very basic level, in my opinion, it's just a way to get better at breathing. Breathing, I, there, there are so many times when I'm just like, oh man, I can tell a difference. Like I've been meditating for long enough so where it's like, yeah, I, being able to just uh, take a few deep breaths when I'm feeling overwhelmed, makes right. a huge difference and and it makes a huge difference on the phone before you make a cold call it makes a difference after you get off of a tough call with a client it makes a difference all the way you know sales is such a roller coaster gig and there's so many emotions that can flare up and things that can happen that are outside of your control and so you know meditation i i feel can really serve as an anchor for a lot of salespeople to just bring it back to center and, and, and just be able to kind of move forward in a, in a positive way. I think one of the things, one of the ways that I've heard meditation described that I think is just perfect is it's like stepping behind the waterfall Hmm. and, and you just get a moment to just, you know, all of those thoughts are falling down all the time. Everybody has them. Every, there's not one person out there that doesn't have a waterfall thought process right. and being able to just, you know, take five, 10 minutes, if that's all it is to just literally step behind that waterfall of thoughts and realize like, Hey, this is who, this is my natural state, my state of just kind of rest and, and the focus on the breath. So talk to us, you know, I think, uh, for for somebody that that maybe I don't know has never meditated before and they're in sales and they're feeling that kind of natural wear and tear that being a sales professional can have on you. I think this is what drove me to to meditating is kind of feeling like God, I need a way to just reset every day, you know, and feel like I have a moment to just, uh, you know, align my thoughts or whatever it is. So what, 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 how would you recommend somebody just get started meditating? Like if they've never meditated before, but they know they want to, 
what, I mean, do you have any tips on maybe how somebody could get started? Yeah, the easiest. So before uh, I share that, you, you had mentioned someone that's never meditated. I, I guarantee you every single person that's out there has meditated in some form or fashion, right? Great whether point. Breathing or, or whether that be the calm between sleeping and, and awake, you know, or, or whatever it may be. Maybe it's while reading a book. Maybe it's while painting. Maybe it's while fixing a car. There, we, we all go through meditative states countless times in our day, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so this will be more like a formal meditation. Um, the easiest way is to count your breath, right? As you said, we all have these this waterfall of thoughts, right? In Buddhism, it's a lot of times um, talked about, it's described as the monkey mind, right? It's just like, it's like having a wild monkey inside of your brain. And it's yep. just like, and, and that's okay. That's, that, that's okay. That's part of being a human. Our brains are designed that way to find patterns and to survive at the end of the day. So there's nothing wrong with having a billion thoughts, but there's one interesting thing about the mind and it's that we can't have more than one thought at the same exact time. Now we might think that we're thinking about a billion things, but when you really filter it down, you're only really thinking at about one thing. You just happen to be thinking about one thing like every millisecond. So it seems like it's a lot of different things at once. So the easiest way to get into meditation is just to count your breath, right? Count your inhale as one and your out, you know, exhale as two. So in one, out two. And just always go back to the breath. Always go because if you're focused on the one and the two, your brain can't think about anything else in that exact moment. Now, you might only get through doing that two times before you go, oh, man, I got to go to Target later and get cologne. Or yeah. I, I got to go, to the, you know. And, yep. And that's okay. When that happens, see, what the problem is, is a lot of times when those thoughts happen, really where, where the track goes off or the train goes off the track is when we, one of those thoughts pops up and instead of just seeing it and letting it go, Buddhism talks a lot about treating it like a bubble, like pop, like there it is. There's a thought, it's gone. There's a thought, it's gone. We grab a hold of the thought and we hold on to it. And we just start thinking more about that thought. And we're either attached to it because it's a good thought or we're attached to it because it's a bad thought. It doesn't matter. It's subjective. Attachment's attachment, right? Whether it's good, whether it's bad, doesn't matter. So really when that happens, it's just about being honor that thought, let it flow down like a waterfall and go back to your breathing. One, two. And if you do that, like start doing it five minutes in the morning when you wake up. Yeah. Instead of holding your phone and looking through whatever mm -hmm. you look through, put your phone down, sit at the edge of your bed, and just breathe in and breathe out for five minutes. Set a timer, right? There's tons of different apps on your tons. phone. Do meditation and stuff. So, I mean, it's easy. And that's the biggest thing. Whenever I talk to people about meditation, that is the biggest complaint that they have is there's no way I could ever meditate. I'm extremely type A. My brain is always moving, always going. It, there's, it's not about getting rid of that stuff. It's just about being present with those thoughts. And even if it's, there's a thought, there's a thought there. Even if you do that for five minutes, if, if you practice that, you will see changes. You will become more mindful and present. I find it so helpful when I'm going into sales meetings or when I'm calling a client 
or when I'm doing a presentation of some kind, right? It, 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 it really just kind of brings me into the present moment, right? It's not about getting rid of this or getting rid of that. It's really just about being present when whatever moment that is. And it might be you're present in your frustrations. It might be you're present in your happiness or whatever it is. It's just about being present in that moment. That's really the biggest thing with meditation, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I think, so the, the, you said so many awesome things there, but so for, for salespeople, I feel like the challenge is that we always want to win something. We view things, we're much, I would say, salespeople are probably more apt to seeing things as a competition or something that they need to win or achieve or do good at. Right. And so I think an important thing for me early on was realizing like there is no winning with this. The act of me sitting down for five minutes and getting distracted for five minutes and, and bringing, trying to bring myself back to the breath for five minutes, that's just it. That's all there is. You, yeah. you, you get a gold star for sitting. Well, that's the thing. You know? In the same way, if, if, if people can, can, can turn, right, and go, okay, it's not about winning. It's a, but even if you can't, even if there are people out there that, that it has to be about winning, it has to be a competition, great. Use meditation as a competition. Use it as winning. Sit, sit, make yourself goals. Say for the next two weeks, I'm going to sit down and meditate every morning for five minutes. And then, and then I'm going, and that's going to be my goal. And once I hit that goal, then I'll see what the next goal is. And I, I guarantee you that if somebody truly sits down and, and, and takes that five minutes to honor and to meditate and to honor their breath, they, they will, there's, there's no way that they will not see changes in the way that they perceive things. Like, Oh, it. And then once you see those benefits and you're like, well, hell yeah, I'm going to keep doing this. Why wouldn't I keep doing this? Like I'm smashing my quota, everybody. I'm, I'm friends with everybody. I feel great. I only need two <laughs> to three. Like, you know, it's just about getting through that initial kind of push of completely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to me. It was like I had been searching for something to help with the anxiety and and the stress. And it was so powerful because you're right They're They're literally if you do it consistently, even for just five minutes, it's scientifically proven now. Yeah. That yeah. there is there are changes going on in your brain and and one one of the folks that really helped me remain consistent and kind of be able to buy into meditation was Dan Harris with uh, ABC News. He wrote that book, Ten uh, Percent Happier. No, I don't think I've heard of that. Oh uh, man, you'll love it. You'll okay. love it because he uh, he he's an a ABC News anchor. He had a panic attack on air you know, like 10 years ago, yeah. uh, he had been, you know, had suffering with stress and anxiety had been, I think he was even doing like Coke on the side or something like that, you know? And so it just kind of all culminated to him losing it on right. TV happens. and <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, bad day. Um, but no, I mean, and so his story is just kind of from the lens of like, Hey, like I'm a fidgety skeptic type person. And, and, and how can I, you know, start to, just get through that initial breakthrough period because for everybody that I've ever talked to, it's like, Oh, 
gosh, I wish I had just been doing this years ago. And, and because it's not, yeah, the winning is the commitment to the act. It's not whether or not you had a good session or yeah. whether or not you had X amount of bad thoughts or X amount of good thoughts. And the winning is the sitting. The winning is the commitment to, as you said, honoring your breath and taking that time to, for yourself, Self-care is so important, especially. Eventually, you know, it'll eventually, you know, I don't, I don't actually sit down and meditate as much as maybe I did five, 10 years ago. A lot of my, a lot of my mindfulness and meditation is just throughout the day, right? It's just sitting for five minutes or for an hour in the car when I'm driving here to there or sitting in the you know, waiting room of a doctor's office before I talk with them for 30 minutes and, 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 and sitting in my stance and, and, and med- like, you can do it whenever you want. When I first started, I was very traditional. Like I had, you know, I had a, a spot in my house that was set for meditation. I had a meditation cushion. I had like a small little um bowl that I would go outside and get flowers and stuff and, and, and put, I had a picture of the Dalai Lama, you know, like I, I followed the, the Tibetan Buddhist way to meditate because it's kind of like it's kind of like avant-garde jazz like i love avant-garde jazz but it's you know it's it's not just a bunch of people making noise like those musicians had to be classically trained in order to know what rules to break or in order to to be creative in that space and so Mm. i think meditation is the same way like once you once you get it down like it's going to unlock a part of your brain where you're going to just use it throughout your entire life throughout the day and it it, it it's going to change your life if people haven't done it yeah yeah i i i liken it to the most realistic version of the limitless pill from yeah, you absolutely. know i mean like when i saw that movie i remember thinking like god I would love to find a pill that would unlock my, you know, other 90% of my brain or whatever it is. And, and then, yeah, you start meditating and you're like, Whoa, this, this is actually doing that. This is actually Mm -hmm. unlocking these things in it. And we could probably talk for like hours and hours about the benefits in a micro way in a macro way specific to salespeople uh, because there just really are so many benefits to it. Because I think if you look at it at a high level, you're taking that time for self-care. You're kind of uh, honoring that that time, whether it's five or ten minutes, to just you know take care of yourself and 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 recharge. And I think for so many salespeople, especially that are you know, in a perfect world, I'd like to say that every salesperson out there is fully supported by their leadership and has all the tools that they need. And, but the reality is that, you know, there are a lot of salespeople out there that are trying to do the best job they can with, you know, half a CRM and half a management team and, and out and kind of put out there on their own to, to crush quota. Um, And, and I think any tool, (laughs) that can be used to, to help manage emotions and keep you focused on the present and able to, you know, kind of 
deal with all of these circumstances that are outside of your control, I just think it's such a valuable tool. And, and so I, I just really appreciate you taking the time, Keith, to, to, to come on and talk to us about it because, you know, it's, it's, it's important and it's actually, it's one of those things that I've wanted to talk about for so long because, yeah, once you start seeing it in your own life, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. got to start spreading the word. The last thing that I'll say about it is we've talked a lot about like mindfulness and, and, and how well um, the benefits to the individual. But I think uh, the bigger picture here is the cultivation of compassion really is, is what mindfulness and meditation unlocks. So compassion to, to self, but also compassion to others and, and, and understanding that everything really is connected. And I'm not talking about like in a, like, you know, Timothy Leary, like, whoa, man, everything's connected. I'm not, I mean, <laughs> you really cannot sit down. Like if you sit, like, let's say you're driving your car and you're being mindful of the steering wheel and the car and the clothes and the road that you're on. And like, when you start thinking about the, the things on that level, you realize that you, you really can't go throughout your day without being um, connected to other people living, non-living. I mean, it's, it's, it's all one thing. And so I think having that compassion, especially in difficult situations, because as sales professionals, we deal with difficult situations a lot, right? Whether it be prospects hanging up on us, whether it be clients that we deal with that might be difficult. And I think having that, that basis of compassion for ourselves and for those difficult situations is also invaluable when it comes to a sales professional. Oh, and it, it's absolutely the only way that we're going to change the perception of the sales profession so that our children and our children's children will grow up and at least say to themselves, cool, well, you know, the, all the salespeople I know and what I know about being a salesperson is that they're compassionate, you know, empathetic, they care about others, they're here to help and they're here to make the world a better place, you know, that is exactly like you said, that's the point. And uh, on a much larger scale, I think, you know, the world as a whole c can, can use as much compassion as possible right now. And, <laughs> and so in, in the spirit of, of, of illuminating positive thoughts about this let people know how they can get in touch with you and where they can find your content because it is awesome content and and content that that sales people and and every people <laughs> need to be every need to be up on i like the every people um yeah so you can go to my website www.thephilosophyofsales.com that's the blog uh, the Philosophy of Sales podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. And connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm at Keith uh, W. Cordero on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, please, if, if, if anybody has any questions or if there's any way that I can help or just have a conversation, not only about meditation, but just anything in general, I'm, I'm always open and available. So reach out to me. Yeah, I, I have to just highly recommend that everybody out there connect with Keith and and Keith has been somebody that I've leaned on to to have great conversations with and and bounce ideas off of and and 
very appreciative to to ha have him in my network of of people that I that I can collaborate with and want to thank you uh for coming on Keith but before I end the podcast I have to be mindful of the one question that I ask everybody that comes on the show okay. and that is what's your favorite place to eat lunch Keith wow my favorite place to eat lunch my gosh um I would say this place called Camps in Marietta, Georgia is probably my go-to place to eat lunch. But what, what are they serving up at Camps? They serve all types of stuff. You know, it's kind of, uh, they do like, you know, calamari. They got nice salads, nice sandwiches. Mm. I will say this. Honestly, I try to eat at a different place every single time that I eat out at lunch because I, you know, if it happens to be the last meal that I ever eat, I want it to be delicious. So I'm mm. always on the hunt for good food. I will never go to just some, you know, fast food or anything like that. I really try to hunt out the, the local gyms wherever I'm at. So I love that approach, Keith. And, and I think that ensures that you'll always kind of have good places have on good deck. Food. Yeah. 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 I mean, and what's more important than that? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> not, 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 not at 1230. No, no, not at lunchtime. Nothing's more important than, than what's for lunch. I love it, Keith. Keith, thanks so much. Uh, look, I, I hope that everybody listening to this just takes away that, that uh, you're worth five minutes of your time uh, at the beginning of your day, in the middle of your day, at the end of your day, you are worth it to just focus on the breath, take a moment to, to reset and, and get back out there and, and crush the rest of your day. And with that, I'm going to wrap up episode number 15 of the Lunch Break podcast. Speak to you guys soon.